Welcome to today's exploratory journey episode and in today's episode I'm joined by Amy, Nathan and Annabelle from Law School 2.0 and in this episode we'll be discussing everything from the evolving nature of the legal industry and the integration of technology into it to how law students and the next generation of lawyers can best prepare themselves for the future of legal practice. Hi and welcome to another Exploratory Journey episode and today I'm joined by Amy, Nathan and Annabelle who are the co-founders of Law School 2.0 which is a super exciting initiative introducing students to the world of legal tech. Um, Thanks so much for joining me, would you be able to give us a short intro about yourselves? Yeah of course I'm happy to go first. Um, So I'm Amy and I've newly joined Mishkan Devere as a data scientist. Um, But by background, I did my law degree at the University of Bristol, became really interested in tech um, and how it was being regulated. And I went on to do a computer science master's, which was a computer or conversion program, rather, also at the University of Bristol. Um, And then I met Annabelle and Nathan, and we started talking more about legal tech education, and we ended up co-founding Law School 2.0 together. So I'll hand it over to Nathan to introduce himself. Thanks, Amy. Um, Yeah, so I'm Nathan. I'm currently a student analyst at no-code company Brighter and uh, studying the end of my diploma um, up in Scotland, like the the Scottish version of GDL. Um, So I did my undergrad at the University of Aberdeen, where I started the University of Aberdeen Legal Tech Society, and that kind of kicked off my interest in legal tech. Um, worked at a couple of different legal tech startups and um, through that and through various conversations and everything met Amy and Annabelle which has led us to this point of Law School 2.0 so I'll pass over to Annabelle. Great thank you and that, thank you very much for inviting us onto the podcast I'm sure the conversation today is going to be really great so I've been looking forward to it all day. Um, so my name is Annabelle Pemberton and I'm a legal mind at Sparring which is a, a startup focused law firm. I studied at the University of Warwick uh, doing a four-year law degree with an Erasmus year in Helsinki in Finland, which is where I basically fell in love with law and technology. Uh, After graduating from university, I worked for a startup which has now been acquired as their deputy data protection officer, and then I moved into my role now. I'm also the founder of The Wired Wig, which is a platform that intersects law and technology, which is actually how I met Amy, and then I met Nathan as well. That's super cool, and you've all got such interesting journeys, um, and how you've all kind of come together from very different standpoints to kind of co-found Law School 2.0, but would you be able to tell us a bit more about where the idea initially came from, and what the aim of kind of the initiative is today? Mm-hmm. Sure, I'm happy to answer this one. So the actual idea of Law School 2.0, it iterated quite a few times. So uh, like I actually initially had this idea of joining people together to allow them to get practical opportunities in legal tech. Uh, I had some conversations with some key people in, in legal tech, a bit of a shout out to Catherine Bamford. Um, and then I spoke to Amy about it and then also Nathan. We then decided to take a bit of a step back and think more about the education that goes into 
legal technology, uh, especially given, given um, Nathan's background in the work that he's been doing during his studies. So we decided to explore a bit more about what is actually going on in legal education and why isn't it clearer to students that there's other opportunities in legal technology and why isn't legal technology making its way into the curriculum? So just to sort of understand whether it was just us three seeing this as a problem, we hosted some Clubhouse chats in the beginning of last year when Clubhouse was, was a thing. And we spoke to some students on there and actually some graduates as well to understand their legal journeys and what how they felt that law school had served them and what they felt actually missed was missing from their curriculum and their education. So taking those insights, we took away that perhaps we could actually create a course or a program for students and trainees that you go through. And we will get into that a bit later, but basically what we decided from this is what Law School 2.0 essentially is, is providing a space for students, graduates, trainees to have the opportunity to engage in technology and the space to learn about it and explore practical opportunities in learning more about legal technology as a whole space. So whether this is actually learning what legal technology is, the mindset behind it, um, how it's actually used by firms and the business of law, we really try to go back to the foundations that actually underpin legal technology rather than the actual tech itself. It's a super cool initiative and it's definitely something which is required in the world of legal education today, particularly because of the way in which universities teach law from, from a student's perspective, it's very rigorous and academic and you don't always necessarily see the wider career opportunities out there. Um, so I'm glad that this is something which has, you know, started and is continuing to grow. But can you tell us a bit more about kind of the initiative today and how you've kind of developed it and maybe what your plans are maybe in the next six to 12 months? Yep, happy to, to jump on that one. Um, so yeah, so as Annabelle was saying, um, the idea of the initiative has started from these clubhouse sessions and speaking to people about legal tech innovation, how they think it should be taught. Um, so we eventually settled on a structure of problem solution adoption and that's the the theme that kind of runs through all the projects initiatives that we're working on right now um, so our problem solution adoption philosophy is teaching people to first of all identify problems how to frame them properly consider key stakeholders and um, what their core issue is because the tendency of everyone not just lawyers or law students or everything but see a problem try and jump straight to solution um, and we really want to emphasize taking time to break down that problem. Um, we actually did a LinkedIn poll recently where we asked people out of the problem solution adoption, what do people think is the most important aspect? And the overwhelming uh, winner of that was problem identification. So once we've um, taught people problem identification, we move on to solution creation, go into things like design thinking and um, different innovation methods. How do you actually go about creating a solution or finding a solution? And then once you have your solution, we move on to solution adoption. Just because you have identified your problem and you've got a solution does not mean everyone's going to want to use it. Um, and that's a problem that is particularly prevalent in law firms. So we want to show people 
once you've actually got your solution, once you've got your tech, once you've got your new process, how do you roll that across? How do you roll that out across a team, across a firm, across an organization, a company, whatever you're working in? So we're taking this problem solution adoption framework and we're implementing it in two uh, key ways. One is the Legal Tech Act Scheme, which we ran uh, the pilot program for last summer, where more than 250 students actually joined and partook uh, in the program. I think in total it was like 350 when you take in hackathon and everything as well. Students from all over the world um, got involved in that. So we're running a second program this year that we can talk about in the wee time soon. Um, and then aside from the kind of live um, VAT scheme, I guess. We're also putting together a legal tech and innovation course that focuses on this framework of problem solution adoption. That's super exciting and definitely something a bit different to the traditional VAT schemes you see out there. Um, but, you know, technology and kind of technical skills um, and potentially the lack of it amongst law students um, is becoming something a lot of people are starting to discuss. But do you think, you know, technology and technical skills are actually lacking? Or do you think that people are saying they're lacking because, you know, students aren't like computer science students? Um, and then off the back of that, do you think law students should kind of develop more kind of tech-focused skills? Or do you think they should continue to focus on, you know, the hardcore academic way that um, is taught to them in law school? Yeah, that's that's a big question and one that we hear one that we hear quite a bit. You'll know that the should law students learn how to code debate yeah. um, is a massive debate. And I probably have an interesting take on this because I did do a computer science degree. I went on to do that um, after my undergrad, as I mentioned before, and I did that with zero computer science knowledge when I started. Um, I, I wouldn't say that technology and technical skills are lacking amongst law students. I think well, there's two different ways that you can take this. I think if we're talking about law students that want to go on to practice law, I don't think you need to have uh, like very advanced technical skills. Um, but I reckon it's more of an understanding of technology and how it can assist you. So you don't need to be the person who's actually coding the program and, you know, developing the solution yourself. But you should recognize when when there is a better way for something to be done. Um, so that's what Law School 2.0 is really about. Like we're not teaching anyone how to code. We're, last time we, when we ran the VAC scheme, like Nathan mentioned, we weren't focusing on really what the tech tools were and how to use them. It was more, how do you actually notice that you have a problem that technology can potentially help? And something that we addressed as well was, well, sometimes you have to admit defeat when technology isn't going to help. Um, so it's, it's more of an understanding of technology and how it can assist you, I think, moving forward for a lot of law students. Um, I also think definitely as, as more and more law students, like when I see applications coming in to, um, to you know, Law School 2.0 for our scheme and for at my previous role at Avoca, I noticed that a lot of law students didn't really understand what the tools were doing. Um, there was a lot of like, conversation around maybe it's going to take over my job so I think that's something that's really important when when law students are looking to you know apply for for training contracts um because questions about legal tech and like what legal tech tools can be implemented are becoming really popular when you're applying for training contracts and also on back schemes so I think it's just understanding what's out there in the market how it can assist you and and being aware of that as you move into your future career 
And that goes pretty well with my next question in terms of education around legal tech and law school 2.0, as we said, is doing such a great um, thing in actually educating students about kind of the realities of what legal tech is and how it can be implemented. And sometimes, as you mentioned, where, where it can't be used and where you have to still just you know, use traditional law and books to kind of get to a solution. Um, but do you think law schools today are too archaic um, in the way in which their curriculum is structured and the way in which they kind of teach outside of kind of the core modules, which I guess are going to be continued to be required? Um, and do you think there should be more kind of integration of legal technology and education around that within law schools? Sure, I, I can answer this one. So to answer the question of whether law schools are being too archaic in their curriculum, I just want to be careful to also acknowledge that some people, when they are studying law at university, they really do have the primary goal of just learning those skills or studying or practicing law, sorry, reading law for the pursuit of yeah. reading law as like an intellectual challenge and that's great but I think what we also need to acknowledge and universities need to acknowledge as well that those skills don't necessarily prepare you to be a lawyer and that is shown by the fact that we have the LPC or the SQE after studying law that otherwise you would come out of law school um, out of university and you would be ready to practice as, as a lawyer and maybe that's something that law schools just need to consider a bit more that um, many of their students will want to become lawyers but many of those students they enjoy studying law but they might not actually want to go down that exact route and it's about providing other opportunities so for me personally I really started to realize this and I think this is quite interesting because I don't think you necessar necessarily realize what you don't have until you step out of that bubble and for yeah. me that was when I went on Erasmus and I had all of these different options of studying modules that explore the intersection around law and technology. And for me, this was the first time really hearing about topics such as um, the law surrounding artificial intelligence or the intersection between um, data protection and society, for example. And for me, that really made me think in a more uh, open way, more as an entrepreneur, a um, bit more creative about how I actually saw my studies and it resulted in me when I actually returned to work in my final year um, thinking a lot more openly about how I was actually going to take on those modules even if they were more conventional modules that you had to take as um, your core modules as your law degree in the UK. So overall like to um, in like a shorter way to express it yes law schools should be updating their curriculum um, and the reason for that is because it will actually encourage more entrepreneurship and creative thinking that will lead to better lawyers. So they shouldn't fall into this trap thinking, OK, lawyers need to learn about these core subjects because that's what the society has told us that we need to teach them. There is definitely a benefit in actually teaching other subjects to actually nurture this creativity and entrepreneurial spirit as well. And I guess. Um... Moving on from that a bit, do you think more specifically from a legal tech perspective, do you think um, law schools should kind of, you know, maybe have a legal tech module or speaker um, or 
teach about kind of the evolving nature of technologies and its intersection within the industry, particularly because even though more and more kind of law schools are um, taking um, taking modules and teaching modules in areas like cybersecurity or data protection, um, areas which you know will continue to grow in importance over the next decade or so, there's still a lack of kind of practical knowledge and teaching, particularly at undergraduate level, about technologies within actual law firms and how technology can you know speed up processes in terms of the work lawyers do. So, what's your take on that, Nathan? Yeah, um, so this, this was something we were actually pushing for up at the University of Aberdeen was to try and get a legal tech module or an option or something for students to take. Um, and, and in trying to do that, we kind of came up against the realities of academia and how law, uh, law schools kind of structure courses and everything. Um, and I was speaking to this about um, with this to Sam Moore as well. Um, also shout out to Sam, uh, massive help with Law School 2.0 and lots of other projects. Um, but he teaches at the University of Glasgow on their diploma. Um, and he teaches about legal tech and innovation there. And the diploma in Scotland, like the um, LPC or SBU down in England and Wales, is kind of like lawyering 101. Um, so it's much more applicable and um, much more about these are things that are going to help you in your profession, therefore we'll teach you about them. Um, but when considering legal tech at an undergraduate level, you then have to ask the question of, well, what changes? Because undergraduate degrees are so intense anyway, that adding in an extra module that is compulsory for all our students to take on legal tech might be unrealistic. So what would you replace if you are going to make it the module compulsory? Or do you offer it as an option to students? And then the ones that are interested in it and want to go into the profession can take it. But the ones that want to go down the academic route can maybe avoid it and focus on the um, more academic side of things. Um, so that's kind of what we're looking at at the moment. And we're, uh, until the law schools and the law societies and everything catch up, that's what Law School 2.0 is trying to do. We're bridging that gap by providing a course on legal tech and innovation so that the students who are looking at this going, okay, I can see this is very important for my future, for my career, for the profession. How do I learn more? I wish there was just an all-in-one course where I could go and learn about this. Um, then they can discover Law School 2.0 and, and what we're trying to do to close that gap um, from the lawyers of today to the lawyers of tomorrow. And yeah, definitely um, check out Law School 2.0 if that's something of interest. Um, but where do you see the biggest technological developments in the legal sector being in the next five to 10 years, particularly because there's been so much talk around um, how technology is really changing the way in which lawyers work, not just kind of being as a side piece to the way in which lawyers work, but actually, you know, being an integral part of the day to day life of you know, a lawyer, especially if you kind of look at it from the mindset of what some people call the O-shaped lawyer. Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with this, but I would be interested in hearing if Annabelle and Nathan have any other views on it as well. Um, but I think in my point of view, this will be split into two kind of different paths, like the actual technological developments, but also just innovation in general. Um, so I think on the tech side, we're going to start seeing more of a focus on how do we actually take the data out of contracts so that contracts are more of like an alive thing rather than being signed and filed away. Because for those listening, if you're not familiar with how lawyers work, a lot of the time they are just signed, filed, 
and then forgotten about. So now we're starting to see more startups focusing on how do we keep leveraging, you know, the data that we're putting into this contract? How can we figure out how many times a certain clause is being negotiated or things such as renewal dates as well. So when a contract's coming up for a renewal, how do we make sure that that doesn't get lost in a contract that's been filed away? I also think we're gonna, as boring as it sounds, we are actually gonna kind of go back in time a little bit and people are gonna start focusing more on the low hanging fruits because there has been a lot of you know, pressure um, to kind of advance as quickly as you can, but it's hard unless you have a good foundation in place in the law firm to actually focus on those technological developments and have you know, the support team there um, to, to put these kind of products into place. So a lot of firms, especially smaller firms, need to start focusing on, okay, but where do we save our contracts once they're done, you know? So there's actual processes in place using things, even as simple as Google Drive, for example. So how do you make sure that that's all um, methodical and thought out for, for anyone joining the team? From an innovation side, I think going on the same side as that, we're gonna see it right now, most of the innovation has come from really big firms because they have the money to do so and they have the money to put teams in place. And something that um, Annabelle and Nathan and I have talked about a lot is, as well as looking at students, we also want to reach out and help to educate people who are working in these smaller firms who don't necessarily have the budget to learn about innovation and to buy all these tools, but they wanna know, okay, I have a problem. Let me see like what tools are at my resource to be able to, to solve it and make it more efficient. So I think from an innovation side, a lot of these smaller firms are going to start um, learning to use like the most basic tech tools, even Microsoft Word, leveraging that better. And I'm I'm excited to see that happen over the next five to 10 years. Yeah, Annabelle and Nathan, if you have anything to add, please do. So just to add on from that, what I see, and this is actually more focused towards what law firms and how they actually offer their services, how that might change over the next few years, is potentially the increase in the productization of legal. And this is actually something that um, our previous founder at our firm actually discussed a lot, Maya Pavashini, the whole product productization of legal in the way that instead of having the billable hour, you have these subscription services, for example, just packaging up how you're actually providing legal services in a way that actually makes a lot more sense for the end client and your actual partner at the end of the day. And we can already see this with several different legal tech startups. Take, for example, in data protection, it's quite easy to go to a website now and see these packages of services rather than saying, okay, we can do uh, we can draft your privacy policy for you and create, make sure your cookie banner is compliant and it's going to be this amount per hour and not having the transparency there. And this could be especially powerful for trainees who are coming into the industry and they do have this more creative edge and entrepreneurial mindset towards law because then there's a lot of opportunities for them to take this in their own way and potentially also be founders of startups who are also noticing opportunities in the industry um, and inefficiencies in the way that legal services are actually provided. Sorry, yeah, it was just something to add to that as well. I like, entirely agree um, with everything that Amy and Annabelle um, said already as well. Um, and on the lines of technological, um, technological developments in law, as well as the law firm side of things, as well as 
um, alternative business structures for law firms and providing law and everything. Um, tech itself is driving a lot of change right now. Um, and just because it's relevant, we've seen um, Richard Suskind and Sir Jeffrey Voss and everything talking about the requirement of lawyers um, to know about blockchain and crypto assets and cryptocurrencies and everything. Um, so as much as we like to focus on the tech side and the innovation side in law firms, we'll also start to see external forces and forces from clients expecting their lawyers to know more about tech. And I think we'll probably get a nice sort of secondary effect if you have a bunch of lawyers that are required by the Law Society of England and Wales to know about, and Law Society of Scotland and everyone else, to know about crypto assets, cryptocurrencies, blockchains, DAOs, LAOs, et cetera, et cetera, then they will be dipping their toe in the legal space and they'll start to get exposure to more technology. So although there's not the same requirement from the Law Society of England and Wales, et cetera, to say all lawyers must be this level of tech proficiency or know this basic understanding of coding, et cetera, et cetera, all lawyers are being dragged into the um, technology side of things by this new requirements to learn about tech. Um, so that might have some nice sort of secondary benefits where everyone gets open to um, technology and, and more happy with it. That would be amazing if it were if it were to happen. That that would yeah. be awesome, really. Here's hoping. <laughs> A dream. Um, sorry, just to jump in quickly again, I realize I should point out as well, I'm now working as a data scientist at a law firm, which kind of leads back into my point of law firms really focusing on the data side. So now law firms are having their whole own internal software engineering and data science teams because they're realizing there is a lot of value and unlocking not just contract data, but also other operational data. Um, so it's a really exciting time if anyone is a law student, doesn't necessarily want to be a solicitor. There's going to be so many new career paths open to you, which is awesome because I never imagined I'd be in this role. And that's definitely something which um, is something which law students should really try and explore and figure out if it's right for them or not and not just necessarily pigeon themselves down the solicitor or barrister route just because everyone else around them is doing it because you never know um five six years down the line practicing law might not be what you thought it would be um, and you want to switch to technology so why not dabble with it now see if it's something you want to do and if it's not then that's also cool but it's good to have that understanding and that's definitely something um, which law students in my opinion should really look at um, but I wanted to get your take on kind of what your biggest pieces of advice for law students are um, maybe you should could start with Annabelle mm -hmm. yep Sure, of course. So from my perspective and something that I wish that I had really thought about more when I was a law student was to be more curious just in my studies and also just to just to not limit myself to what I can learn and really allow myself to have this growth mindset. I think it's quite easy when you're studying law to just become that law student and just study the things that are on the list and maybe some of the extended reading as well. And I understand why that happens because you are really busy as a law student and it can be quite challenging to study law. So I completely get it. But at the same time, if you just if you just limit yourself to what the university gives you, you're going to be not allowing yourself to explore these other opportunities that develop during your three or four years while you're at university, which is quite a long period of time. So if you do have an inclination to look into another topic or an area of technology, for example, go, go and do it. Don't feel that you 
can't do it because you didn't study maths at A level or at university, for example, you are more than capable to pick up topics, even if you are studying to become a lawyer that aren't remotely connected to law. Um, and I think just that having that curiosity will be really helpful for you, especially later, um, even if you become a solicitor and you don't really want to engage in technology in the way that we're describing today, it will help you identify problems in the firm and be an all round better professional as well. So yeah, be curious and make sure that you have a growth mindset. Awesome. I think a lot of what I was going to say kind of falls off the back of Annabelle's, but my biggest piece of advice is something that my mom said a lot to me while I was doing my law degree, which was don't compare your path or your journey to anyone else's. Because um, I remember I had this moment in first year when we had just gotten our first essay result back and I got a 45 and I remember crying in the streets of Bristol because I was like, I'm never going to like have a career. I'm going to drop out of uni. This is awful. I can't believe this because you see everyone around you getting first and two ones. And my mom was just like, it's going to be OK. Like just because you don't get there in the same amount of time as someone else, that's OK because it's your life. It's not it's not theirs. So don't try and rush yourself into anything, especially like a massive decision such as deciding what career you're going to go down, because it's a big investment becoming a lawyer as well. So make sure it's something that you're actually interested in, not something that you're being pressured into um, and be open to new opportunities. Like Annabelle said, you know, when I when I went into law school, I never thought that I'd end up being a data scientist and, you know, coding for, for a day job. Um, even when I went in to do my computer science master's, I was like, oh, this is just for a year and then I'll eventually become a solicitor. But I fell in love with it. Totally didn't expect to. So definitely be open to new opportunities because you never know, you might find your dream job there. Yeah, de definitely just entirely agree with everything that Annabelle and Amy have said already. Um, and my advice would also just be um, make the most of every opportunity that comes your way and where there isn't an opportunity, create one. Um, you know, when we were up at the University of Aberdeen and we were looking at legal tech and innovation going, oh, we really want to learn more about this, but you know, there's no society on campus that can help us do that. There isn't a lot of events going in Scotland. There's no one really in Aberdeen that's doing it. We came together, the 10 of us um, got to the library one day and went, right, what do we need to do to start a society? And then that's where the Legal Tech Society came from. Um, you know, and even Ved yourself, like putting together the exploratory journey to have interesting conversations with interesting individuals, creating opportunities so that you can meet really cool people and discover new things. Um, so advice to law students is make the most of opportunities that come your way. But if you're really interested in something and you're really curious about it, if there isn't the opportunity out there currently, don't just go, oh, I guess that's it then see well actually what can I do what can I do to create an opportunity to create something a podcast a blog a, a social media page a society an organization whatever it might be you know reach out to people on LinkedIn reach out to people online just see what you can create and see what you can do and you'll be amazed at what comes your way definitely don't let artificial barriers which have been constructed by the people around you to stop you because you know your age, um, especially as students, like a lot of people think you're naive and you probably think that yourself, um, but actually if you put in the effort and the work, there's so much which is possible as you've all done with Law School 2.0. Um, but I wanted to finish off with a question which I like to ask all my guests. Um, I find it particularly interesting to see everyone's different perspectives. Um, 
So what motivates and inspires you to do what you do? Uh, I'll go first on this one. Um, I think when it specifically comes to what we're doing with um, Law School 2.0 and legal tech innovation, it's kind of what's possible with legal tech and what's possible with technology in general, um, what future it could offer. Um, you know, law has one of the highest burnout rates and unfortunately suicide rates of any industry and technology provides a way to still produce really high quality high value and um, highly accurate low risk work but do it in a way that doesn't require you to spend 16 hours a day plus in the office um, using sleep pods and getting takeaway all the time so that you can constantly read and process information and work on documents etc 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 so using innovation as a way to go okay the current process while it might be incredibly valuable and very profitable our burnout rate is incredibly high and we're kind of burning through associates and trainees and stuff very quickly um, so is there a better way of doing this is there a better way that we can leverage technology so that everyone can get home at half five and see their kids and see their family and everything and have a more balanced life um, so that's what kind of motivates and inspires me for what we're doing with law school 2.0 and what we're doing with legal tech innovation and then just in general um it'd probably just be what's possible um you know you, you never know what the future holds um but the more work you put into something regardless of whether you can see the finish line or not generally the more exciting things that come out of it so yeah i'd probably say that in general what motivates and inspires me i think a lot of what Nathan said, um, the ecosystem, like in willingness to change that we see in a lot of people, you know, after the first phone call that myself, Annabelle and Nathan had together, I remember coming off the, the phone and ringing up my boyfriend Davide and saying, oh my God, we're onto something so good here. Like we're actually going to make such a difference. And it's that continued feeling we keep having after every phone call, because we get so excited when the three of us get together. We're like, what if we do this? We do this, we do this. Sometimes it's hard to like dial it back. Um, but it's it's the willingness we've seen in people as well, you know, to come forward, to hear what three relatively young, recent graduates, Nathan's still, you know, in uni as well. So they're willing to, to actually listen to what we have to say. And they're inspired by it too. Like hearing people reach out and say, wow, I can't believe the three of you have put this together, um, is really motivating, a bit terrifying sometimes that people have so much faith in us. But I know we never expected the reception that we got for the first legal tech vaccine. And it was, it was awesome to see so many students come forward um, and just be willing to learn because they knew that this was important for their future career. And now to hear that we've been motivating people to, to consider alternative careers is also awesome because when I was in law school, I had no idea that there was other careers outside um, of going down the solicitor or barrister route. So it is really inspiring to actually see people going down these different routes and definitely motivates me to keep going forward with law school 2.0. And uh, from my perspective, it's, and completely absolutely agree with what Amy and Nathan have said so far. And I'm actually really struggling to add some, something onto what you said already. And I'm just thinking personally back to when we were running the legal tech education scheme in the summer. And even though like we were keeping ourselves motivated to get the legal tech vacation scheme all together, it was actually like created in quite a short period of time to pull everything together. So it was quite a squeeze to get that all ready um, and actually put it off in the summer. And of course, at times we had this feeling of like, oh, are we doing the right thing? But we just kept on saying, no, like, this, this is our why, this is our mission. And that just like really pushed us through getting there. 
But I think the most motivational point of that was when we connected our Slack to our signups. So we had like a Zapier integration that every time we had a new signup for the scheme, uh, we had a channel and people would just send us a new message saying we have like a new signup and um, like the, the some details of the person, etc. And it was just so motivational to see that people actually wanted to sign up for this and it wasn't just us. And there is like a real need for this and people really want to learn more about the mindset behind legal tech and becoming more entrepreneurial in their practice and that students also cared about it enough to give up nearly a whole week of their summer to do it as well. Like that was that was amazing to see that happen. And um, I think like the Zapier integration, like of course we could have just logged into Gmail every day and like seen it, but it was so nice to have that come in every time we had a new sign up. It just, I think it really kept the team going to actually achieve the end goal of actually pulling it off in the summer. A good example too of tech in practice. We're actually using different tech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it was definitely an amazing scheme. I really enjoyed it. Um, and you know, as you mentioned, there's one on the way soon. So do keep your eyes peeled. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be just as amazing, if not better. Um, and I'm really inspired by all the work you do um, to really kind of open up the opportunities out there and really showcase what's possible from both a tech and a legal perspective. And um, as we've discussed, you know, law students work so hard and a lot of them are really motivated and driven, um, but they don't necessarily know where they want to go with their careers. And um, I think from my perspective, I'm really grateful that Law School 2.0 exists and I sure, I'm sure many other law students are too. So um, thank you for that. And thank you also for coming onto the podcast today. It was great speaking with you. Um, and for students out there listening, do get in touch with any of the team if you have questions or want to um, discuss opportunities with them. I'm sure they're really willing to chat and they're all on socials, particularly on LinkedIn, but yeah. Thank you very much, Bed, for inviting us onto the podcast. Like, it's been so amazing to have this conversation today. And it's been really fun as well, like all of us chatting. Um, for anyone listening, if you're interested in reading more about Law School 2.0 or staying up to date with what we're doing, you can go to www.lawschool2-0.com um, and you can sign up to our newsletter there. We're going to start releasing more regular newsletters so you can stay up to date with what we're doing, as well as get early bird access to our upcoming events. That's definitely super exciting. Um, the events are amazing. I attended your first meetup, which was very fun. So especially if you're around, do keep your eyes peeled. Thank you so much, Fed. Awesome. Thanks so much, Fed, for having us on. It's been great. Thank you for listening to The Exploratory Journey, and I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Please make sure to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to follow all our social media channels on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn to stay up to date with our future episodes. <laughs>